Who were you before you lost your wild self? That's what we're helping you explore on the Tend Her Wild podcast. Through questions and tools around how best to listen to your inner voice, rewild ourselves, and live the most authentic life where we thrive instead of survive. I'm Betsy. And I'm Kate. And we're so glad you've joined us for this episode. Hello, Tender Wild listeners. In today's episode, we are excited to have a guest with us here in the studio, Alex Cobble-Frakes. She is someone I've known for many years, and she's a phenom, and I'm so excited to have this conversation Me with too. you. She is a passionate social entrepreneur. That's exactly who you are. <laughs> she has 10 years of experience in business and eight years of experience working in health and wellness. When she returned from the Peace Corps in 2015, she felt out of touch with her own health, so she began a path of healing. This led her to launch a health coaching company and subsequently The Agenda. She has recently authored a book called Manstration, which yes. is opening up conversations around periods with men. Mm. So welcome, Alex. We are so excited to have this conversation. You have so many great things happening. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited to be in the room today. It's so fun. Yeah. And I just want to say, I mean, we we talked about two months ago at a conference and talked about you coming on. And then I happened to reach out a few days before you were coming back to Iowa City. No coincidences. I know. Synchronicities, <laughs> baby. Meant like, I'm to actually going to be here, so... So yes, this is our day. This is the time to to talk for sure. So, and can we also say before we started, this is your day because we're going to talk about this, but you're ovulating today, <laughs> which means this conversation is even more on point and powerful because you are in your full like oomph yes, today and we can the- feel it. Yes, I can we feel can't it. wait. We just had to put that out there at the beginning. I love right. it. Alex is ovulating today. <laughs> So good. So prepare. Prepare. (laughs) But we have to talk about the time before you were ovulating because we start every conversation on this podcast about the first 10 years of your life. Kate and I, look at her eyes got very big. (laughs) Kate and I really do not know how or why we started this question, but it has become a bedrock of the conversations we have because we find that there are really key things that happen in those formative years that then play a role in how our life unfolds. So we would love to know your early roots. Oh. So early roots, I was born in Waterloo and we lived different places in Iowa. And then my mom took a teaching job in Texas. So we lived in Texas in Brownsville for a year. So that's where I went to preschool. I think that's really formative. I, I've subsequently gone on to learn Spanish fluently, but I think there was a real interest in the culture. Mm-hmm. And being around people who were very different than like what I was around in Iowa yeah, yeah. <laughs> really early on. And then we lived in Georgia for a year. And again, a very different kind of experience than growing up in Iowa. So that was really gave me a great taste of people from different places and from different cultural backgrounds, which looking back, I've never even really thought about it. But I think that was a good foundation for some of the things that I've been called to do throughout the rest of my life. And 
we moved back to Iowa and my parents got divorced when I was seven. So that mm. was pretty formative. Thank that was event. a huge cosmic shift in my world because I, I didn't know anything was wrong when I was seven. Yep. Um, and then I got my period when I was 10. Very mm. unexpectedly before all of the health classes that we had received in school. And so I think that has really shaped a lot of the work I do now, just feeling terrible about having a period. And Tell us about, I want to know about 10 years old, getting your period and like how that went down. It was horrible. Like I mm. just, I thought I was having a stomach ache. I went to the bathroom. I was like, there's blood. I had heard about periods from like the bus, but my mm. parents had never talked about it to me. I had no idea that it was coming. We hadn't gotten the class in school yet. And so I went to the nurse and she was like, congratulations. And I was like, okay, uh, but like, what, <laughs> what do we do? Right. And I just really had to, my mom, when I got home, she's like, yeah, there are products in the bathroom. And I had to figure out how to use the products. Mm. I don't think she had a lot of conversations around periods. It's pretty much just like read the instructions. So I got to find out that tampons do not work well if you don't remove the applicator. Mm. uh, (laughs) Yeah. I did not know that as a 10 year old. So I was like, wow, these are terrible products. I don't know why they're not absorbing anything. So it took like six periods to figure out you had to like, remove and like that's a really intense first period product yeah, absolutely so it was almost it was kind of a traumatic experience in and of oh, itself. It was so traumatic yeah it was very traumatic and then mm. in school you know being really careful about the wrapper and like the crinkly sound yes like bathroom stall bathroom stall because no other mortified. right yes I, like I was the only one who had my period and then when we finally had the class like at the end of sixth grade I was just like end of sixth grade is yes. when the class came yeah spring semester of sixth grade wow and Mine was fifth grade. I wish that would have yeah. been. Yeah, I think ours was so yeah. much better. And I just pretend I was like, oh, what, what is this? I don't know. Here you were a year in. A year in. And I was pretending like I had mm. no idea. What was so you on. didn't even really share with your friend group? Absolutely not. Mm. No. And did you have all the fear? I remember fear of like it bleeding through my clothes and being on my seat. And I, even when I didn't have my period, I was always checking if I left blood anywhere, you know? Like worried now knowing what I know about period products like our period blood doesn't really have a strong smell but if you're using chemical laden products it does smell really bad so like worrying about odor and just everything yes there's so much menstrual anxiety that goes on and I think it really damages a lot of us as we move through our adult lives because we spend on average eight years of our life bleeding wow Mm. and so if you think of like the anxiety pre your period the anxiety a couple of days post your period, how much time and energy are we sucking yeah. out of our world when you're in that mindset? Like people say they will like lose whole days of like thought because they're afraid of what's mm. going to happen at school, what's going on. Yeah. So it's, it was definitely traumatic. But don't you think we see this all the time that it's often traumas that happen to us early in life that then are the impetus for yes. what our purpose is and why we're here? Like this is a theme We've heard so much in this wild woman podcast of like hard things that happen that then bring us the direction direction to, and energy to to make a difference, to take it in a different direction. So because when I, I was finally starting to learn about cycle thinking, I was 26, so mad that I never learned earlier. I was like, I have not had the manual for my body. I have not understood like we need more sleep or less sleep, depending on where we're at in the cycle. Our nutrition changes. 
we need more calories, about two to 300 more calories in the luteal phase. Mm. And so that's why people get cravings for high calorically dense foods because they just don't know how to feed their bodies correctly because we were never. So I was just in full rage because I was like, at 26. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I've been doing this for almost two decades. Like, why don't I know did you just, anything? Did but, you just start studying it? At yeah. I was going to say, how did you even get the information at yeah. 26? Cause I don't think I ever got that information. So I did a project when I was in college to live in a certain dorm. We, we did a project around sexual health for high school students. So we've made a poster board each month. And one of our months was menstruation and looking at period products and looking at lack of access that was just kind of seemingly random, but it's like the red thread that you can mm-hmm. trace back. Mm-hmm. So that led me to read Elisa Vitti and Christian Northrup books. So yeah. women's wisdom, women's bodies, women code, all of those great pieces of literature. And I had learned about cycle syncing then, but I was still on hormonal birth control. So like the seed was planted, but I wasn't watering anything. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then I got into a relationship with my now husband and we kept having this weird problem like once a month we'd get into a fight about the same thing over and over again so he sent me this article that was called no soy loca soy cyclica i'm not crazy i'm cyclical mm. and i was like your husband oh, sent this to you when we were dating wow that's kind of amazing <laughs> i know that's really cool and i was like oh this is starting to make some sense i feel like i am going through this like up and down so some of the stuff i had read earlier was starting to make sense right So I decided to get off hormonal birth control. I started my health coaching company. And through that process, while tracking my sales, I found that I had the highest sales during the ovulation phase of my menstrual cycle. Yes. That's (laughs) amazing. Yeah. What's happening today? It's like that. That's the. Yeah. yeah. It's harder to say no to because the body. There's a vibrancy. Even if you don't want to be. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. So you went, you went, you finished high school in in Iowa. Yep. I graduated from Cedar Rapids Prairie. And then you went to Warburg. Warburg College. Business administration with a focus on social entrepreneurship. Okay. So you had the entrepreneurial bug in college. And honestly, even like, again, looking back even earlier, I would do church fundraisers for like, we did the 40 hour famine. And I went door to door in my neighborhood and raised a thousand dollars, just like knocking on people's doors. Wow. Like you weren't afraid to engage. Selling and... things or yeah. like speaking up for causes that I thought were really important. Mm-hmm also been kind of that thread yeah. yeah but then at 26 is when this this idea of the importance of menstruation and understanding your cycles and, and the power of it all came together and so you started this deep dive study of it and then started to get the word out yeah so it actually happened after i found and it was between 26 20 turning 27 i was following up with my own data because I'm a data nerd. I love statistics. I love spreadsheets. I was like, this is so cool. What what else can happen? And so I was in a meditation after I'd seen that first piece of data come through. And have you guys read Big Magic? Oh, yes. it's one of my favorite books so where agenda, the idea just drops in. The agenda period was Big Magic. So I believe it. It just floated into my brain. And what I thought it was, was like, oh, because like, how can I help people organize this information? Like, how can I help them like know what buckets to put it in? And like, how do we think about that? And this idea came into my head of like period planner for your business. Mm. And it was so clear that I got out of my meditation. I went to go try to buy it because I was like, oh, it's got to be out someone there. Someone already made this. Sure. This is like so cool. I'm like, I was on Amazon, Google, Barnes and Noble, doc, like searching Nowhere. the internet high and low to try there. to find it. And it was not there. Then I got scared. Oh, it's probably no one's done it because like, it's weird. <laughs> so then, yeah, then the doubt comes in. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, 
maybe I shouldn't do this. But I just kept talking about it little by little by little, all of these conversations throughout the end of 2018. And in 2019, we just decided, why the heck not? We're doing it. And so you uh, that's when you and I kind of first met because you went through the accelerator yes. program. Yeah. Tell, Tell us, us what the accelerator ex- program yeah, is. Yeah, and that experience. So we didn't get into the accelerator until 2019, but I'd start coming to merge a lot. I would come up for 1 million cups. I started that kind of mid 2018 and that group really helped. It's it's helpful to be in a in a place where people think things are possible mm. because if like my family, there's not many entrepreneurs. And so my family is very supportive. My parents have always been very supportive, but they don't really totally get it, you know? Mm, right. So it's good to be around people who are like, yeah, you could make that happen. You yeah. found community. Community, yeah. So the Iowa, Iowa City One Million Cups group was instrumental to just getting everything moving. Even with my health coaching company, people were super duper supportive. Mm. So that was fantastic. And I kind of talked about this at my presentation at Entrefest, but I don't know why again, but I was like, I need to do a beta test to make sure other people think this is a good idea. We put it out just on our our personal Facebook pages and we got a hundred women in business to sign up for the beta test of this thing that I thought was so weird. So like we decided in May, we were going to do it by June one, we launched our beta test. And by mid-July, we launched our first Kickstarter campaign. Wow. Because I figured out like to print something, it's really expensive to print. And you have to do like a minimal order of 500 to start seeing any kind of discount because they have to do printing sets and like all of this different stuff that I had never learned about before. So we raised over $10,000 on that Kickstarter campaign, brought the first product to market. I was super excited about it. And then as soon as we did it, everyone's like, make an app. Mm. I have a business degree and I'm a health coach. I'm never making an app. It's not happening. Yeah. It happened. It happened. It happened. <laughs> Watch what you say. I'm never going to do that because it's usually what we end up doing. Yeah. 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 And so that was kind of the evolution of this from a paper journal type yep. of like tracking. Yep. And then I was in venture school at the University of Iowa, which is another great resource. And I did about a hundred more customer discovery interviews. And this is why I'm glad I didn't make the app first because we would have made the wrong thing mm. when we were in that customer discovery process. Cause this was, I didn't have children yet, but I was asking women in business. How do you plan? What do you do? Do you have a favorite planner? What are you currently using to organize yourself? And this came up over and over and over again, which is so sad looking back on it, but they're like, they, they didn't say these words, but they were bringing up all of the unpaid labor that they do. Like I have mm. to keep track of my husband's schedule. I have to keep track of my kid's schedule. schedule. I have to keep track of my personal schedule. I have to keep track of my business schedule. So I must have something that has an electronic component to my planning. Yeah. And so I was like, oh crap, we got to integrate with Google Calendar. And that's where that idea came from is like talking mm, woman to real woman women. Yeah. And then they're like, yeah, I'm just like kind of stinking over here. I'm trying to hold all of these pieces for everybody. I am the the hive holding all these yes. things Yes, women really are. That is our one job is holding it all, holding holding it all, it all together. Every piece. Yep. Yeah. Making sure nothing gets dropped. So it's kind of a bummer. But I was like, well, if that's still happening, so we need to give them some kind of way to work with it. And so I didn't just want to create a normal period app. I wanted an app that integrated with their Google calendar, because I know I always, the night before I'll pull up my Google calendar, check what I've got on the schedule for tomorrow. And we just wanted something that could live there. Even if they were too busy to go back to the app, it would remind them, help ground them, help center them on what's going on energetically, what's going on with me hormonally. And then how can I best support myself 
even if I can't change my schedule at all, because that's feedback mm. we got a lot yeah. too in the patriarchy. They're like, I can't, I can't change Take the day yeah. off because I'm, I can't change because I'm on my period. I can't tell people that I'm like, okay, then don't, but just know you're not crazy. You're not losing it. Yeah. This is just what's happening hormonally. So how can you support yourself given these external circumstances? And it's such a way to give women like language around the natural. Yeah. We don't have process. to pathologize the period, right? No. It's like normal and natural. Yeah. As soon as we started saying Pressure it to people, they're like, I didn't ever learn about Like you could see this look yes. on their face. They're like, I intuitively know this is real, even though I've never heard about it spoken like this. And then like, why didn't anyone tell me? Yes. It's like the number one comment I get. Which from was kids. your why didn't anyone too. tell me this at 26 you're like how come i didn't know this okay heck, so i'm dying like we have to i'd love for you to spell it out for our listeners in very like basic terms these different phases and what we should be thinking about doing yeah. knowing can we go through that because i feel like that is the goal here yeah let's do it and this is not a framework that i came up with but it's a really common framework in the menstrual health movement is the seasonal framework so it's a good way to kind of Take your understanding of the external world and how that applies to your internal world. So our menstrual phase is phase number one. That is our internal winter time. So think about the things that are soothing and nourishing to you in winter, maybe warming foods, maybe being snuggled up in a blanket, being kind of more quiet or intuitive or inward with yourself. And spiritually, a lot of cultures, native cultures across North, South America, the entire world have seen this as a time for deep intuition. So there yeah. should be some time for women to go and gather um, because we were seen as extremely potent and spiritual during this time because the portal between life and death opens up mm-hmm. to let the blood out. So yeah. like all of this, there's even this great phrase called bleed on it that I love from, I heard it from the Loose Warrior podcast. Mm. Um, but she just talks about like, she doesn't make big life altering decisions until she's sat in meditation on her period. Oh, wow. So use your period time to really go in, be intuitive and ask yourself the big questions about what you need. And so that's why it's a great time for planning in your business, not for doing, um, but actually sitting down with your calendar, plotting things out, considering how you want to spend the next cycle and the next month of your time. Yep. Um, And if you are postmenopause, you can line this up with a new moon. So when the moon is dark in the sky. Then we move into the follicular phase, which is our internal springtime. So this is when estrogen's on the rise. We feel like busy little bees. It's a great time to network, to try new things. So like men, if you want to take someone on a date, take them during the follicular phase. They're like more fun, <laughs> more fun. If something, I always say it's a good time to, to launch because if something doesn't go well, you won't make it mean the same thing about yourself as oh, you launch yeah. other times. So right after your period, before you ovulate, this is the follicular phase. And this is the time to like take risks and just like put yourself out there. Yep. And start working the plan that you made on your period. So start okay. putting the Things pieces the action. in action, put the plan in motion Okay. during your period or during follicular phase. And then this is like the, um, yeah, the waxing moon. moon. If you don't have, if you're postmenopausal or pregnant, you can kind of tap into those energies. Then- Ovulation is the full moon, full moon time. Party. <laughs> um, and this is not this is what Alex is in right now. So this is not, I've never seen a study about this, but I've heard anecdotally so frequently that there are so many more accidents in the ER around the full moon. Yeah. There are. And I do know this data, and it's true. More babies are born, there's more mental health admissions. Men go kind of crazy because like a lot of women around them are ovulating. they're like there's so much estrogen in there yeah yeah the energy is 
intense, yeah. Yeah. intense time, yeah. right? So ovulation is our inner summer. So it's the shortest phase and which I think is actually a great thing because it could be, we really get burnt out if it was summer all year yeah, long. Yeah, right? that's we such a good point. To rest. And I think ovulation can be so lovely and it's definitely my favorite phase of my cycle, yeah. but it's complicated for women because if we think, I, I call it the trope of the like ovulating woman trope. When we look at women, when we hold up women, they're always shiny, smiling, glossy hair. Like a lot of the characteristics we think about around ovulation, easily taking care of everything for everybody. Mm. Right. And so when we fall out of that, people can think something's wrong with them, but we're not supposed to be like that. Uh, that's freeing. Yeah. But that's so powerful to think about, like what we have in our image of like the ideal woman. She's always ovulating. I mean, like you said, you get burned out. That's not even possible. And so, but yet that's what we're expected to look like yeah. all and the it, time. And it means we forego all those other magic times. Yes. We, we don't, yes. we don't rest and... intuitive time. And so, yeah, yeah we wouldn't, every phase has gifts. And so we, but we don't always look at them. So the, the last phase is the longest phase, the luteal phase. And it's kind of broken up into two parts, but this is like our internal autumn time. So, and also when the moon is waning, going back down in the sky. So this is a great time for analyzing, organizing. Um, but think of like, what is the flip side? What's like the shadow side of like analytical power intensity it can be like bitchiness, PMS. Oh, you're too much. You're so nitpicky. When we're living on the unhealthy side of the luteal phase, it can be all of these other mm, things. And then it. it really turns to shame and guilt on ourselves. Mm. So rather than looking at it, that that's why we really try to position everything as gifts first. Yeah. Yeah. This is the gift of this phase. This is the gift of this phase. And then you can then see how that really aligns with your scheduling, knowing where to slot things in because you don't have to do everything all the time. We just need to know when to do things for the maximum productivity. Yeah. Which can reduce the bitchiness because yeah. then we're not trying to do everything at a time when yeah. we shouldn't be doing. And do you see that women, when they start to get in alignment with these cycles, they're their period does start to align with new moon, full moon? I think it just depends. I, I know it was definitely like that more before we had all the non-natural light. Yes. Um, but I find mine does sometimes like up, but we always tell people, folk, if you have your own cycle, focus on that as the ultimate authority. Don't worry about it lining up, up with, with the one moons. phase or okay. another one. But if you don't, it can be a really good anchor point for you. Yeah. And I think a lot of the bitchiness that come, can come in the luteal phase is because we have leaky boundaries throughout the other parts of our cycle where it's easy to just say yes to somebody during the follicular phase things roll off your back and so when we're not taking care of ourselves and standing up for ourselves all the time we can really feel that intensity mm. during the luteal phase and it it comes, comes points out. of conflict comes out sideways I'm thinking like we don't rest during our menstrual phase and go inward yep we're still working 60 hours a week and attending everything we're invited to and then that clearly is burning us out as well well, and we've been talking a lot lately about how our society and our culture is all about productivity, doing, Profit doing and all the time. Action. Now I'm realizing how counter that is to the female it is. body. Cycles. And how, cycles. how counter is it to nature and like- And men as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can't plant seeds in January. Right. Yeah. Like, why are we so like January in Iowa, you couldn't, the, the ground's frozen can't go out and do the things. That's me on my period. I'm not planting the seeds right now. Right. Yeah. I'm relaxing. I'm making my, my planting plan, but I'm not planting because you can't put seeds into the frozen ground. Yeah. Mm. Great analogy. That is so powerful. 
Okay. So you have been working with your cycle now for many, 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 many years. What's been the outcome for you now that you know this and you're living it, you're embodying it, you're using it. What do you think has been the biggest benefits for you? has impacted every single area of my life, my relationships, my relationship to my own body, my relationship to food, my relationship to my own mental health. I always take things seriously, but I no longer take them personally when I'm moving mm. through the phases. Um, and I can embrace the gifts. So I'm like, yeah, I'm really on it. Y'all, I am ovulating. I'm ready. Last week I was in the follicular phase. I was like, let's get stuff done. You know, next week I'm going to be more down into my own stuff, getting more analytical. I know, and I, and I trust the process. Mm. So a lot of times when we are so pushed to be productive, it's because we, we are in fear and scarcity. We don't believe that there's going to be another peak time. So we just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. So cyclical awareness has allowed me to come into trust with the rhythm of my life. Wow. Surrender. Yeah. To the, to what the, it will come. Yeah. That, it's going to come back around. Yeah. Baby. It's okay. Yeah. And it's an abundance mindset because you, you have surrendered to the, yeah. the rhythm of it. And, and then when that, when that next opportunity comes, you, I feel like you're ready. You're more ready. Yeah. You're, you're um, can it. we talk about sex? Cause I'm super curious about. <laughs> <laughs> You're laughing. I'm super curious about sex and the cycle, right? Like, I'm assuming is through the roof when you're when you're ovulating, ovulating, right? Even in the follicular phase. But but isn't there like like your desire for sex or the types of sex you have or your need for? Does that change? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it's just because the libido is higher, it doesn't maybe require as much foreplay or as yeah. much interaction. Uh, but in the luteal phase, it takes a lot longer. This is like the the Ocean phase. Cuddling. Yes. yes. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. And and like again, those boundaries. So if the boundaries aren't being respected, if you're feeling disconnected from your partner, it's going to show up in the intimacy realm as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. So it is so tied. And so if like men could just understand this and right. with it, we're like, yeah, maybe there's more of a quickie element in during this part of the cycle versus like, I know it's going to be a little bit more drawn out. It would be like the what's in it for you would be much better yeah. fulfilling sexual relationships. So is this a part of your new book, Manstration? Yeah. We, I, I just barely go into some of that stuff because I wanted this book to be for anyone, but I have, I eventually want this book to be like a, a guide for single dads, um, a guide for uh, like a really spicy one that mm -hmm. we would go more into some of that. But I wanted this to kind of just be the 101 first yeah. version, but there are more copies. And There's more books coming the down the road, aren't there, Alex? <laughs> so tell us, so tell us, we talked a little bit offline about this. The You came to a realization that it's great that women are starting to understand it, but if people, partners in their lives don't, yeah, then- there's a disconnect that can even grow kind of that chasm, right? We can't solve the problem on our own. Menstrual right. inequality, mm. a lack of understanding, a lack of cyclical awareness, because men occupy so many positions of power globally and they're just not tuned into it for honestly, no fault of their own. If they, if we don't recruit them to help us solve this problem, it's not going to happen by ourselves right now. The, the chasm is just too wide. And I saw this consistently when trying to raise money for the agenda period. So many mm. gatekeepers that I interface with who have money don't want to talk about periods. Because they're men. They're scared. Yeah. 
and they're yeah. scared of it and like they they think it's weird and they i have heard the comment oh that's so niche like so consistently that's i have so had, niche that's such it a impacts 50 percent of the population like word so niche it scares me in code word for please stop talking about this yeah now. So I'm, wow. uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable yeah so many men have just been like, you're very passionate about your project. And I was like, I've never yeah. had more microaggressions than when I started building this company. Wow. Like, so I, I was really pissed. And that's why I decided to, Good because it's like, I can't explain this to another man. And I even, I was going through some different panels and a guy was like, you just speak so eloquently about this. Like, maybe you should make a blog for men who want to support you. So it'd be easier for them to get involved in like, would you tell a male founder that? Like that um, they need to make a whole nother side hustle to their company to like get you to legit- be able to support Legitimize them. it. Yeah. You would mm. never tell a man that. No. Never, ever, ever. Wow. And so I was like, you know what? I'll just write a book. Good for you. Yeah. So I I was in the luteal phase and I was very full of righteous anger. And I- It's a good term for it, righteous anger. Tell, tell yeah. us how right Because I came back and told Betsy about this. I was like, I just talked with my- Friend of mine, you just sat down and wrote. I wrote it in 45 days from like wow. November 15th. And it was done by the end of the year last year. And that was the righteous anchor. And you probably yeah. helping you burn through I it. I wrote it during the, I would do the writing during the luteal phase. And I used the, I used my cycle. I would reach out to people because I also, as part of it, I'm like, men are not going to listen to me. So I'm going to have men come on my pod, on a podcast, record them. And those interviews will get transcribed into the book. So I had five men who I thought were doing great stuff, being allies in their own, in their own way. And I had them on the first one was my grandpa, um, because (laughs) he's on the library board in Washington County and he helped get free period products to the library by, by bringing it up. Grandpa. And is he, is he always been a champion of yours or did he do that because he knows your work? And so he's trying to support your work. Yeah. So he's always been, he was a teacher. Mm. Um, he has had a wife and daughter and I think he was always very, he's like, I never asked questions. I would just get them what they needed. I would go buy them stuff, chocolate <laughs> pads, but I didn't like talk about it. A but lot. the fact that he would yeah. go buy <laughs> stuff, amazing. there's a lot of a men who of would generation. never do that. Yes. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. So, and then I taught, I started talking to him about it and then he brought it up to the library board. Like, oh my gosh, let's see what we can do. And as soon as he said it, three other women on the board were like, that's a great idea, but they had never brought it up themselves because they didn't have the power right to do that mm. but he could use his power to support you know like that's the the place that men can have in the menstrual movement is like using the the rooms that we don't get access to to advocate yeah. not mm-hmm. over us but on behalf and with us and then like make space at the table so i wanted to include these interviews in the book so i did the interviews when i was in the follicular phase i put the writing down completely and i didn't stress because i knew i would get back into it and just like crank out another 20 pages in the luteal phase wow so i just went through <laughs> I think it was like I had two or three luteal phases during that time. And I did all my other interviews and I reached out to guys who had huge audiences and I had some big people say yes. And I've continued the podcast series because I know when to slot in my skill sets for mm. maximum impact in my business. So smart. Yes. It's really, I've gotten like only one no when I ask them. And I like almost always ask when I make those ask when I'm in the ovulation Were phase. you surprised about that? A little bit, but then- I have just started to like trust the, the mantra that I have for myself is like, I'm a hard person to say no to. Mm, <laughs> especially when I'm ovulating. Yeah. Couple that with your yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Beautiful. Oh. Okay. So what I am curious is how did your publisher get on board 
with the menstruation book? Like, is there any, you self-publish. Is there any fear that man won't, okay. She's looking for a (laughs) publisher, people help this, help this amazing woman out. Um, Like, do you have some fear that men won't want to read this? Cause it is this place of like men poo-pooing the period or men rolling their eyes. Oh, are you menstrual this time of the month? Right? Like how, how do we get men on board who buys to learn book? about who this? Buys yeah. the book? Do the women, women buy the book? Women take, buy them yeah. That's, that's yeah. what I think. Women buy the book for men. Okay. Um, but it was tremendously healing. Like I was so mad at men before I started this project, just like as a, as a category. And I would yeah. have to say like, and this is like in the intro of the book, I'm like, I don't hate men, but if you're an asshole and you're a man, like if you're, if you're the center of that Venn diagram, then yeah, sorry about it. Um, but I, so I had the first five conversations and then I continued the podcast series. So I've now interviewed 25 men about periods ah, with a goal to interview a hundred men this year about periods and the vulnerability, the desire, the pain that they're coming with. So I interviewed Mm. this life coach, Malcolm, and he was amazing. He like deals with masculinity. And he said, I was like, why do you guys suck? Like, what's the problem? Why can't you show up and like witness me dealing with cramps and like not be rude about it? What's the problem? And he's like, Alex, I was taught to shove down every feeling inside of myself for my entire life. I don't have the space or capacity to meet you where you're at because I can't do it for myself. Their own fear. Shut it down. Yeah. It's not that serious. Why are you complaining about it? Stop talking about it. And it's really frightening when when women, I think men are scared when women are coming out and they're like, I'm going to take up this space because they cannot do that. They yeah. don't know how to do that. Yeah. And I cried during that interview. I was just like, oh, Malcolm, I'm so sorry. Mm, yeah. I'm so sorry. I think there is, we've talked about that. You know, it's, there is some anger for sure. But I think when you dig down and you realize we are setting men up for this as young boys, right? It's it starts young. And so there is there is an an empathy that can show up for on on our part because we recognize that it's not necessarily it's how they're conditioned. Yeah. And so that is actually what has led to the next transition in my work. So this came up unprompted 15 times on our podcast. I was like, why do men suck about this topic? And they kept saying, like, I, I, I'm going to compile it someday for content. And just like, we didn't learn about it in fifth grade. We got oh. separated out and we were taught that the boys we, like, go in this room, you go here, you go here. And we yeah. were taught not so to talk true. about it. And we were, in fact, like almost ridiculed or made fun of if we would bring it up. And so we learned I that's not my place. And there's nothing advantageous for men to advocate for it in a world that's that shames so them. true. Yeah. I never thought about going back to the first 10 years. So that's they what we're never doing. got to be educated about this. So that's what we're doing. We're making puberty curriculum for the K-12 uh, education system. So that men so boys learn early on. Taught so instead so correctly. most of the the products that are on the market have a different curriculum for boys and girls. We're yeah. having a curriculum for everybody. Now, if a school district still wants to separate out, that's fine. But everyone needs to learn Same about contact. Yep. And the pu- the period stuff is in the hygiene section. So just like, what are t- all the different kinds of products someone might need? What would you do so that it becomes normal? If someone was stinky, we don't freak out. We just give them deodorant. If someone's on their period, we shouldn't freak out. We should just give them a pad. Yeah. And we want to show young boys, it's okay. They're just different kinds of bodies. 
Some bodies are on 24 hour cycle. Some bodies are on a 28 day cycle. Yeah. All bodies are good bodies. We just need to know how to occupy them for our maximum benefit. That is amazing. It is. And can we just acknowledge that you are in Texas right now and there is a big movement to remove education around these issues. And you are, you are just going head on straight into this because yes, because and we so must. there's a, we, we must. must. Yeah. It's we must. Every single human on the planet goes through puberty. Yeah. Like, so we need to get over it. We have to be able to talk about it. And one of the things that the way we're really intentionally designing this curriculum is so much of the content that's been available positions puberty in the same sentence as sex ed from the very beginning. Yes. And we shouldn't talk we about, we don't, them we don't together. need to talk about penetrative sex with 10 year olds before they even know like how to use deodorant. Right. There's stages to this. So we're focusing on body literacy, not sex ed. Mm. We're, oh, I love that. Term. Everybody should I know. I haven't use their thought bodies. about that before this. I mean, I you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, I think that's why parents get so uncomfortable because they know what they're like. You, I don't want you to talk to my baby about that. They're too young. But they're like, well, the only reason you go through puberty is to reproduce. And yeah. that's never even been our ethos for the agenda, period. Your fertility and understanding your fertility is vital to your health, even if you never want to make people. Yeah. yeah. So it needs to be separated at the puberty level. We need to say, yeah, that is one thing that can happen, an outcome of these changes, but it's also important even if you never want to reproduce. Right. Yeah. But like, that's the only way the fra- the like conversation is ever framed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've, you're right. It's body literacy, understanding the body versus making it all about sex ed. Yeah. But this is, I think, our culture's dysfunction around sex, period, is that it's, yeah, we're afraid of it. Or then we go to the far extreme and (laughs) overemphasize it. So there's no like beautiful, happy medium space where we we can talk about it in healthy ways. We want to create it. And and then if the school wants to have additional deep dives into sex ed later, they could do an add-on to our curriculum. But we really want kids to understand their bodies for themselves because if if I would have known in my 20s like how much sex do do women engage in when they're ovulating that they might not choose otherwise because they're like this person seems amazing and fantastic Mm. um and it's because they're ovulating ovulating. yeah like how many more risky sexual choices do we make because we just don't understand our body for ourselves uh yes wow I know I did. So I mean, yeah. um, like there, if now I can like use that information to my advantage and it would have been such a, I think people would actually engage in less sex. That's right. the irony of that. <laughs> right. If they actually they just understood. Knew, hey, this is your body is, this is biological. You don't actually like this person. Your body is trying to make a person. Are you ready to make a person? Yeah. yeah. With, no? this, With this, this person? person? Yeah. No. Okay, then pump the freaking brakes on that. Yeah, yeah. I think with more education, our, our youth would have less risky sexual. Ah, uh, amen. That, that is so, so brilliant. So brilliant. Yeah, we're going straight into the heart of Texas and we are going to pull out every stop we can because we know once it is adopted there, it can, it can go anywhere. And the kids desperately need access to scientific relevant content about how their bodies are growing and changing. Yes, they do. Yeah. You are such a champion. Oh my gosh. It's so inspiring. And she's so energetic and vibrant about all of this. It just, and, and can I just reflect, and I know you know this, but it really goes back to when your wound, 
Yeah. At 10 years old. 10 and, Mm -hmm. and not wanting anyone to ever feel the way. Using the tampon with the plastic still on because no one explained it to you. Mm -hmm. So what you've done is you have, you are, you're changing the course of other women and actually boys lives around this issue from kind of where you were wounded, which, which is where your passion I'm sure comes from too. So it's, it's infectious. And so thank you for being so bold. Yes. People would not have that. And also towing what, you know, can feel political too, right? Sex ed. Um, I'd also love for you to talk about your app that you created where women can really, um, sort of know their own cycle, but then the fear that that can be used against them somehow. Yeah. Um, yeah. How have and- you navigated that? So from the very beginning, and this was even before Roe was overturned, we, I know about other places in the world that are terrible to women. And so I always had a subscription-based model. So there's always been a fee. There's, we don't have a freemium model. They can use it for free for like a month because I never wanted to be beholden to, to shareholders in a way that would make that attractive to sell data. That's been something that's really clear from the beginning, What, how we make money, what our business model is. I never wanted to be pushed by a government. I was thinking Saudi Arabia, Afghanistan, and then honestly, the United States now. So many places that don't think of that as sacred information for a woman. So that's always been a really clear part of how we built out the company. But when Roe v. Wade was overturned, I took a lot of time to examine the market, look at what my competitors were doing or were not doing. There was a lot of bullshit that came out mm. of saying like, we'll protect you against the subpoena. We'll do this. We'll do this. We're in Europe. So we have the European standards. And I was like, but you know, legally that you, I'm if you have customers in the United States, you would still be beholden to a subpoena from the United States government. I'm sorry. There's not a private company on the planet that is more powerful than the United States government. Mm. So it's disingenuous for you to tell people you can absolutely ensure that you will keep their data safe not realistic. Mm. So what we have to do as consumers is start to understand our risk profile and understand where our own personal pitfalls could be. Because if they go down the the rabbit hole of really looking at this kind of data, they're going to look at your phone. They're going to look at geotagging. They're going to look at all of these other things to, if they were really going to try to prosecute someone based on this kind of internet profile, it wouldn't just be period apps. It would be everything else. Yeah. And so we've been working really hard to try to educate around that. We put out a transparency report. And then we also spent six months developing a second mode of our application that harkens back to our original product. So it's called bring your own planner. So Mm. there's no tracking information that goes into the app, but instead, so when you pop up your agenda, normally it shows you what phase you're in and it shows what day you're on and shows like ovulation, luteal, menstrual. Mm. And this one, there's no dates on the bring your own planner version, people just get to look at all four categories and then they can get the deep dive. So they have to look at their paper and then see where they are at, click whatever mode they're on Mm -hmm. so they can learn, but we're not tracking any keystrokes when they're in that Mm -hmm. mode. So even if they kept clicking on menstrual, we're not going to track that they're clicking it. We're not logging any of that. And then they can get wraparound services. So education, content, blogs that we put out, and eventually they'll have access to our menstrual cycle store and products. Um, But we're not tracking any of their information mm. because the only way for me to ensure you that I cannot give your information away is to never have it. Yeah. And I am disappointed that more people in my space aren't just telling the truth about that. Um, Ugh, that is a sad reality. So but a powerful woman here saying like I'm checking not this stop. all out and yeah. and making 
these. We want that option available for yeah. people who right. know I don't feel safe doing that. So we even have a free planner, printable planner that you can you print off and you can just track on paper and then you can use the app for everything else. And that's going to live in perpetuity. Mm. Wow. It's amazing that do you ever find it just all the changes that have happened in the time that you have started this? Right? <laughs> I've become yeah. such a different person by talk about that answering the call, like doing things. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is actually learning how to live in my cycle, in my cyclical self, because I always had a lot of imposter syndrome. And mm-hmm. I heard a great the, a great speech. I can't remember her name, but she just did the Smith commencement speech. If you guys saw that floating around TikTok. Mm-mm. She's like, there's no such thing really as imposter syndrome. The system was never designed for you. And we pass that off and we put the onus on women to fix themselves rather yeah. than on showing that the system... So like learning how to live within my cycle has really been like, that's okay if I can't compete with men in this way. I don't need to compete with men. I'm going to do my own programming. Mm. I'm going to live in my own flow. And through that process, like I've met great mentors. I've great met so many great men doing cool stuff. And I'm like, they're not better than me. They're not mm. smarter than me. They're not right. more determined. They're certainly not more determined than I am. <laughs> and so being able to step into like, how can I build this company using all of my feminine gifts. Yes. I love it. Ah. So that's changed a lot yeah. since, since I started. Which I, that's something that I have been thinking a lot about lately because the, women have a choice. You can be in a system that where you maybe feel like an imposter and you're trying to kind of change it and, and you navigate have to it. take on certain traits that yeah. are more masculine to be able to, to, be successful. Survive, to cut off your body. Mm-hmm. And- yes. Versus you as a pioneer saying, I'm going to create my own way. I'm going to build my own future, which is, you know, the entrepreneurial side of you that it's, it's, it, there's risk in that. Like you said, in the beginning, you had the imposter syndrome, like, can I really do this? But what ends up happening is it's, it becomes, it's authentic to you and the right people show up on your path to support you, but you're still in charge. And she's doing it the feminine way. She's yes, doing it in alignment with way. cycles and with her intuition and, we, and we with synchronicity. And like yes. we, yeah. we, our kids show we up. Show your emotion. And, yes. And we take a day off when we're bleeding and we're just like, yo, I can't meet today. I'm on my period. <laughs> just and like, you, you don't question it. it. You're modeling yeah. it all the time because- I don't want to like build a business like a man. I don't think that it's great. Some of the ways that capitalism has been exploitative to the people and to the planet and business can change the world and is changing the world. Social entrepreneurship, socially responsible, we can build. And that's why we did not go nonprofit. I'm like, no, we can make a lot of money and then use that money to help period products to people. Because a lot of people ask me, you're like a nonprofit, right? They assumed. They assume because I was a woman that my business was. Wow. Um, so I'm like, no, we don't have to do that. And we can actually, we can work within the system, but bring all of our own gifts to make it better because yeah. it's, the system is sick right now. Yeah. The system is toxic. It is. And you're figuring out a way to work in the system, but live a life that's actually healthy and in flow. Well, I love this. Is so it's so inspiring. It is, and and I just have to pause before I know we're going to get to our last question here. But I'm so inspired that you have such a feminine-led business, and it's clearly about feminine issues. But like, can we take this model, and then anyone can have any kind of business? 
based on this model of listening to your body, being in the flow, using your intuition, taking rest, knowing your cycle. Even with for men, how much better would it be if they listened to their body, if they didn't push 70, 80 hour work weeks, right? if they were slowing down, if they like, I, I get so much gut wisdom and like men always think that's like bullshit or something. They're just like, where's the numbers on that? I'm like, I just know that that's the next thing that we need to do. Yep. Yeah. Trust it. Think about how much better relationships, marriages, friendships, parenting, parenting. Friendship, all of that. If we all were more in tune with and you know, with that instinct, the body yeah. and and it has. I am so in deep gratitude with the universe that I knew this before I had kids. And it's something that women brought up a lot is like, I thought I was just a bad mom during the luteal phase. And I just like felt depleted. I didn't want to do like the like, play with your kids and do all the yeah. things when I was like, just come off of ovulation, like baking cookies and taking them to the zoo and like doing, and I would just like kept falling into this rut thinking I was terrible. Like we just have less capacity for some yeah, of like the right. normal kid stuff. Like my toddler's have a lot of big feelings and that's not a problem about them. And it's not a problem about me, but I just have less capacity for it sometimes. So being honest in that and asking for help right, has is makes me a better mom. Yeah. The better, you know, yourself, the better you can show up for everyone yeah. in their yeah. life. Oh, this has been amazing. So we yeah. always like to end with this question. Um, we've really built this podcast around the book, The Women Who Run With the Wolves. And I feel like you are absolutely a wild woman, Alex. Absolutely. And we we want to ask you, she talks about there are a few precious doors into the life of a wild woman. So here are the doors. If you have a deep scar, that is a door. If you have an old, old story, that is a door. If you love the sky, the water so much, you can almost not bear it. That is a door. Or if you yearn for a deeper life, a full life, a sane life, that is a door. So which door do you think you took into your life as a wild woman? I think it's the mix of like the scar and like the like, oh, yeah, yeah. The love of the sky and the water, nature, no matter how much bad stuff we see, like I just have so much hope that we can make a new world together. Yeah. I see it. And there's that quote by Arita Rundi is like, Another world is not only possible, she's on her way. And on a quiet day, you can hear her breathing. Mm, That is beautiful. And that's, I want to help usher that in because we, every person on the planet deserves to live in that world. Yes. Men included. And you you are doing it. You are doing it every day. And watching your progression has been just, you know, as as a woman, as an entrepreneur, as a mom, you know, seeing you show up in this way is just, it's so inspiring. And I just, I want to thank you for putting yourself out there and making this happen because you have made it happen. (sighs) And I want to thank you for all the inspiration that I feel just by sitting next to you and seeing this, like, and maybe it's because you're ovulating, but no, (laughs) there's all this like beautiful power and just drive to again, make our world a better place. And I think that's what Kate and I feel too, that we're on this like, this pinnacle space right now of uh, where our planet is going and that, you know, the Dalai Lama said, it's the Western woman who's going to bring healing to the world and change the world. And, and so how do we do that? And I think you're just such a beautiful example of one of the ways we're doing that. So receiving that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Alex. Will you tell our listeners where they can find you and where and all your amazing products, products. books. Yeah. 
the agenda period everywhere. Look at our link tree on Instagram that has a link to the book. If you want to read that, there's a link to the life sync curriculum. There's a link to the app. So that is really like your Mecca for any of the different pieces we've talked about today. Give us a follow, give us a shout out. Um, if you've ever got questions, DM me on Instagram or Facebook, and I'm happy to support any way that I can and send resources your way because everyone deserves access to this content. Thank you, Alex. Thank you so much. Thanks for being with us today. Hello, listeners. We want to let you know that we have so much gratitude that you join us in these conversations every week. We want to continue to uplift and connect with women-owned businesses and businesses that are supporting women. So if you are one of those or have a recommendation for someone that may want to sponsor an episode, please have them reach out at tendherwild.com. If you are needing a reprieve from the fast pace of our modern life and want to connect a little deeper to yourself, I would love to see you at my next retreat, which happens to be in the Cork countryside of Ireland <clears throat> this September 24th through the 30th. You can join Kate, myself, and Kimberly at this retreat. And it's falling at a very auspicious time because we will just move through the fall equinox and we're moving to days that are shorter. So this is the perfect time of year to begin to draw inward, to slow down, and to really drink in the beauty, which will be rampant in Ireland in the fall, uh, to sort of support you and nurture you over the winter months. If you are curious about this retreat, you can check out more and how to register for this. We have, I believe, just a couple spots left uh, in the show notes. I can't wait. I can't either. Today's episode is sponsored by Kate Moreland Coaching and Heartland Yoga. As a coach, I am an advocate for authenticity and well-being for individuals, organizations, and communities. Through my coaching work, I like to help you connect to your authenticity. Whether you're an individual, a leader, or an organization, your creative power lies in your authenticity. Doing the work to understand your strengths and acknowledge the patterns and rocks that are in your way is the path to well-being. Whether it's your career or your relationship with yourself or others, transformative change begins within. You can reach me at katemorelandcoaching.com. Heartland Yoga has been in business for nearly 15 years. I founded this studio with the intention for it to be a safe place where people could come and heal. I also knew that I wanted a business that fostered community and connection. So if you are looking to deepen your yoga practice, heal from physical, emotional, mental, wounds, or simply connect with people who are like-minded, Heartland Yoga is a place that we would love to welcome you into, whether it's online or in person. You can find out more information at www.heartlandyoga.com. And now the amazing singer-songwriter, Lissy Morris with Wild West. Thanks for joining us today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Come back and rewild with us again next week. The